I'll take the word and turn to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians 13. And we'll also go to Galatians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians 13 and Galatians 5. Galatians chapter 5, and we'll stand for the reading of God's Word. Let's turn to Galatians 5, verses 22 through 23. If you can hold your, your, your place in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that'd be great. But we're going to read Galatians 5, 22 and 23 out loud together. Ready? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that you bless it today. Help, help as I uh, want to speak the truth this morning. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me. We thank you for your spirit, how your spirit uh, teaches us and guides us. And so that's what our prayer is this morning, that we would have your spirit's uh, leadership today in the word. I thank you for truth. But I pray that you'd help us to not be hearers only. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you would, please be seated. Love is the key word here, I believe, in Galatians chapter 5, is the key word. Um, the, love, the love of God, we've been talking about it today, we've been singing about it, but love is the first one listed here in the fruit of the Spirit, and I believe it is the key uh, to all things that follow. And uh, everything else in that list are the ingredients of love. If you look at that, love, joy. When you have joy, it causes you to want to love people. When you have peace in your life, you then have a greater ability uh, supernaturally to love people. Love, peace, uh, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, and uh, so on. Uh, there's something about the words here, uh, or the list here of the fruit of the Spirit, something interesting, and in that the word love is the only one of these words that can also be used as a verb. Uh, love as a verb must have an object, right? Uh, a little bit, I guess, of English. It's been such a long time since I've studied English, so I'm sure there's somebody that uh, will correct me if I'm wrong, but if you have a verb, you have to have, if you have an action, you have to have an object, right? And love as a, as a verb has to have an object. Uh, we love God in that sense of the verb. Uh, we love our neighbors, love our enemies, love your wife, Paul says. One of the three uh, or four Greek words, however you want to look at it, in our English word for our English word for love, one of the Greek words is the word agape. I'm going to focus on that one word today uh, instead of the others, but agape. Agape is God's love, and it's the most, it's the perfect love. It's the purest form of love. Um, it is many times translated in the Bible as the word charity. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. But you can't just have charity. Remember, if it's a action verb, if it's an action word, a verb, there has to be that object. And uh, uh, charity uh, is a great thing, but you can't just have charity. It becomes charity when it is given. 
Charity isn't feeling something, it is giving something. So many times we're hung up on the, the word love and we think of an emotion, we think of a feeling. And God says it's far deeper than that, amen? And he says, my kind of love is a love that is seen, a love that produces action. And, uh, and so we see that the Bible kind of love uh, becomes love when it is given. I want you to turn there. We're in 1 Corinthians. We go, you can go down. Or I'm, I'm sorry, we're in Galatians. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. And we'll look at chapter 13, just a couple verses today. And verse number 4. Uh, here we see the word charity. And this is also another way of saying love, okay? But remember, this is agape love. This is a special uh, love. This is God's love. Uh, verse number 4 there, let's read that together. Charity suffereth long and is kind. What does that mean, it suffereth long? God's kind of love is a long-suffering love, amen? It suffers long, and uh, sometimes we don't want to suffer. Uh, I don't think any of us want to suffer. Uh, I got sick last night, and um, I don't think it's the flu. I don't think it's anything that's been going around because I already had all that and got the T-shirt. I'm done with it, I think, hopefully for the season. But I felt, I felt like I got maybe some, a touch of food poisoning last night, and after, now I feel a lot better. Don't worry, Okay. And I might come down and, and uh, start getting, in, getting a little bit closer to you. But I don't feel nauseated anymore. But uh, now that pain, or the, the nausea has transferred into pain. All that inflammation, it's in my back right now. And I don't enjoy suffering. I don't think any of us do, okay? Jesus didn't enjoy suffering on the cross. But he did it because he loved us. We think of that long-suffering love. So much of the world's idea of love is self-gratification. It is, uh, I want it now. And there's no long-suffering, there's no waiting. I believe that love waits for the wedding ring, amen? There's a need for us to uh, suffer long if we're going to have God's kind of love. Uh, long-suffering um, is similar to the word patience in the Bible, but long-suffering versus patience, and you can use the word patience when you're dealing with people. I've got to be patient with them. You know, we talk about, Pastor, pray for me. I, I need patience with my, uh, my children. I need patience with my spouse or whatever. But usually in the Bible, when we see the word long-suffering, it's the idea of patience, but it's relating to other people. It's a relational type of word, long-suffering. Amen? So we see that word long-suffering. And then he says, uh, verse number, we're down there, verse number four, the Bible says, charity suffereth long and is kind, kind. That's a little different than even the word nice. You know, we talk, be a nice person. You know, we tell our children, be nice to your friends, be nice uh, to others. But kindness, I think, even goes a little bit further than just being nice. Because kindness has the idea of giving rather than nice is a mutual, it's a reciprocal type of word. I'll be nice to you if you're nice to me. If you're not nice to me, I'm not going to be nice to you. But kindness should go beyond uh, whether or not that, uh, that love is reciprocated. Kindness is the kind of love that says, I'm going to love them regardless. It's a uh, kind of love that doesn't have a stipulation. There's no strings attached here. He says, charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. It is not puffed up. It is not uh, superficial. It is not uh, shallow. It is more, uh, more than the type of love that many times people share with each other today. It is a deep love. 
The Bible says there in verse number five, doth not behave itself unseemly or in the way it shouldn't, seeketh not her own. It's not selfish. It is not easily provoked. It's long-suffering. Uh, thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Amen. Uh, beareth all things. Believeth all things. Hopeth all things. Endureth all things. Um, I believe that God's kind of love, that agape love, looks for the good in people. It's not looking for the the problems and seeking to point them out and tearing people down. It is a kind of love that says, uh, that gives people the benefit of the doubt. I struggle with that. But I have to discipline myself to say, what, what would God do in this situation? What would Jesus do in this situation? We need to be, uh, we need to think, uh, think kindly and loving towards people and, and uh, seek for uh, reconciliation in relationships, not seeking to destroy people, not seeking to tear people down, but always seeking uh, as we say in our church covenant that we've written out, always ready for reconciliation. Uh, in church discipline, I believe we should practice Matthew 18, which says that if, you have, uh, if there's an issue between a brother or sister in Christ, or two brothers in Christ, two sisters in Christ, that that should be dealt with on a one-on-one -on -one basis. And sometimes uh, when the transgression is, is not dealt with on that level, then you get a witness to come along with you and say, this is the transgression, this is the sin, and there needs to be some change. There needs to be repentance in this area in your life. And when somebody says, no, I'm not going to change, and when it's an egregious sin, then the Bible gives direction to go to the church and to, uh, to expose those things. And for the point, not for the purpose of tearing them down or hurting them, but the purpose behind all of that is for reconciliation. The Bible says that, um, that uh, we should show mercy to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Show mercy rather than judgment. There's time for judgment. There's time for dealing with sin when there's no repentance, but we should seek to be merciful and loving and gracious towards people. Go to Galatians chapter 6. I'm a little bit off topic, but I'll get right back on topic. Since we were in the book of Galatians, you kind of know where it's at right now. And uh, verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual... Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength under control. It's the kind of thing where uh, we could destroy someone and we could deal with them, and sometimes in our flesh we want to uh, let them have it and uh, expose everything. And, but the Bible says when there's repentance, when there's uh, restoration going on, we should practice meekness and love and uh, seek to bring under control all of those things that we could do and seek to restore that relationship. And so he says there in 1 Corinthians chapter number 13, we continue on here, and uh, down to verse number 7. Uh, Love beareth our charity, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth, verse 8, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanisheth away. And so that's why uh, we have some wonderful gifts from the Lord. And one of the greatest gifts that we have is the love of God. Amen? Mercy and grace and all of those things that compel us to show God's love to one another. And uh, that's what we should be seeking to do. Uh, agape love. Uh, Jesus said, you remember when uh, Simon, he asked Simon after uh, Simon had betrayed him, he said to Simon, Simon, 
or Peter, right? Uh, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Thou knowest I love thee. Peter used that weaker word, not agape. Jesus said, Jesus said to him, lovest thou me more than these? Then he continued on to say, feed my lambs. And what is the feeding of those sheep and feeding of the lambs? That is loving people. That is caring for people. Um, think of Peter. God used him in a great way. Uh, on the day of Pentecost, he used James and Peter and Paul and many others to be pastoral in their ministries and to feed the, the, the sheep and feed the lambs of God. And that is what he commanded him to do. Love, love the sheep. Feed them. If you love me, feed the sheep. And uh, Jesus asked him three times, and he's, he, he was saying, if you love me, then you need to express your love. Amen? Love in the purest form is only known when it is expressed. Love needs to be shown to other people. Um, I think of uh, love as an action. We said that, that action word, a verb, right? Uh, what is a, a verb? That is to act, right? Love is an act. The act of love. I think of the act of love uh, every Sunday morning when I see uh, Brother Larry Overdoss and is crippled and, 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 well, he's not really crippled, but he is hurting. And he would say, man, I am hurting. And he's crippled by the pain that he is facing. And praise God that he's been given strength to keep doing what God has called him to do. But he gets here probably earlier than any of us. And he is here faithfully every Sunday morning, not here to to uh, give him all the credit or anything like that. It's, all the credit goes to the Lord. But that is the act of love, to be here early and to serve the church and to love the church because God loves us. We should love him and each other, amen? And I think of the word joy. How do you spell joy? Jesus, others, and then yourself last, amen? The world does not spell joy that way. <laughs> That's why the world does not have the wonderful joy of the Lord. And the world uh, turns that all upside down. The world couldn't care less about Jesus. Uh, they talk about Jesus a lot, but they don't care about Jesus. They don't love the Lord. They don't know the Lord. And we love, we love those that are lost in their sins, and God should stir our hearts to love and care for those that are out there lost and dying and are without hope. But the world says, myself first. Maybe I'll do something for others at the end of the year when I can get a tax break or something like that and make my charitable deduction. But myself first. Me, 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 me. And uh, the philosophy is, if I don't look out for number one, nobody else will. And uh, there's that, uh, that instinctive behavior. But, but when we love the Lord and we understand the Lord loves us, it'll cause us to uh, show charity one to another. I think of uh, many in here that give people rides on a regular basis, every single service. They're giving somebody a ride to church. They're taking them home from church or whatever. And uh, that is the act of love. I think of those that stand out there in front of the abortion clinic and they just share the love of Christ. And I appreciate the message is not one of condemnation. I think what Jesus, was that Jesus' message? Jesus said he didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but he came to save the world. Why? The world was already condemned. They needed a redeemer. They needed a savior. And so our mission is to share the truth that sin will separate, is separating you from God. We're all born into this world as sinners, separated from a holy God. But the only way to come to him and receive eternal life and forgiveness is to trust Jesus. And so I appreciate those that stand there faithfully and share that love. Uh, with those that are lost in their sins and are, are woefully misguided. 
And then I think of those that work faithfully in the sound and work in the video uh, ministry and take care of all of those things. And uh, just recently, as we were laying out uh, before the beginning of the year, just different ministries that we had and, uh, and setting up some new software to plug everything in and make sure that we had perfect, you know, everything was scheduled perfectly so we weren't uh, having people do nursery and uh, junior church at the same time or doing dinner and all of those things. And we wanted it to be a, a blessing to you. But I realized, and I was humbled when I realized, how many different moving parts there are on a Sunday morning. And uh, it's because of the love of God, I believe, that we uh, continue forward and do those things. I think of those that spend time decorating. We um, have beautiful decorations. Sometimes these banisters are covered in beautiful decorations. And there's little touches everywhere. And those make a difference uh, to people that watch and see here, they realize that somebody must love the Lord a lot. There's a, a certain care and a certain appreciation for God because of how much time and effort and, and personality goes into the decorations. Uh, I think of the food that's prepared every week and the love that's shared there and the work that's involved. I think of those that teach uh, even outside our church and the schools and uh, reaching in, in our inner cities and are teaching on a daily basis, Monday through Friday, many times not getting uh, the, the amount of rest that they probably need and we always say, well, the teachers have all summer off. Guess what they do all summer long? They prepare for the next year. And so we, we appreciate the teachers and their love that they put into the, the, the students that, uh, I'll be honest with you, many people, many people do not care for the students. Many, many moms and dads are not caring for their children as they ought to in this city. Oh, it's such a broken place that we, uh, this world that we live in. And so many people are not loved. And that's why I believe so many people have a hard time understanding and, 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 and even, uh, you know, believing that there is a God that loves them. Because they've never really experienced true love, sacrificial love. And, my friends, the sacrifices that you guys make really gets down into the soul, I believe. They may not respond right away, but people realize when they are loved. People know when they are loved. And it may not be right away, but it, uh, over time, when, then when they realize, you know what, they're not trying to get something from me. They're doing this because they genuinely care about me. What a blessing that is. I want you to go to John chapter 3, verse 16. John chapter 3, verse 16. You probably don't even need to tur turn there, but we have this verse memorized. No doubt, if you watch the Super Bowl today, that verse reference will be somewhere in the crowd. John chapter 3, verse 16. The Bible says, for God. So loved the world that he, what, gave. You see the two words there, love, agape, and the action. God loved us, and so he did something about it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And the next part is wonderful, that whosoever, there's no, there's no uh, uh, God is not a respecter of persons. There's no preferential treatment for anybody. He says, I love you just the same as I love everyone that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Giving, giving. You can, I believe it was Amy Carmichael that said, you can give without loving. Many people do give because they don't understand. They, they maybe are compelled for one reason or another, but they can do it, and some do give without loving. But Amy Carmichael said, you can't give or you can't love, she said, without giving. Many people give without loving, but you can't love without giving. When you truly love someone, when you care for someone, it is shown in what you do for them. 
the best thing I can do for you is to love you. Did you know that? The best thing that I can do for you, the best thing you can do for your children is to just truly love them. You might say, well, I provide for them and I give to them, so aren't I loving? Well, what, what is the motivation behind the giving, okay? What is the motivation behind the giving? That's that giving without loving sometimes. I'm not accusing anybody in here that, that provides for the children, and I'm not saying you don't love your children, but I, I would admonish us all to learn the love of God and to embrace God's love for us and to realize how wonderful the love of God is, and may that compel us to act and to, uh, to show God's love to others. The best thing you can do for your children is love them. We feed and clothe and we protect them, and that's expected, but you can also give of your time and give of your attention. Jude chapter 22, I know we're bouncing over to another verse now, but Jude 22 as we uh, close here. Jude chapter 22 this is my wife's life verse, and uh, there's only one chapter. I hope I didn't say Jude chapter 22, but Jude 1, if you are having a hard time finding it, sometimes with a digital Bible, uh, just put in Jude chapter 1, but it's verse 22. There's only one chapter. Jude 1, 22. The Bible says here, and of some have compassion. Have compassion. That love. And then he says, making a difference. You can't love without giving. Amen? I love to hear ideas from people and, and get ideas from books, other ideas from methods or techniques, uh, but they're not a, a substitute for a surrendered heart of compassion. I've heard of a story about uh, a pastor in California, Pastor Ryan Thompson. He tells a story about a teenage uh, a teen bus worker, as he was uh, growing up there at Santa Clara at a church that reached him through the bus ministry, he became, uh, Pastor Thompson became a bus worker. He became extremely motivated one day by a guest speaker at the church. And uh, he said, I immediately began to try to mimic his every mannerism. He was inspired by this preacher. So he began to mimic the things that this preacher would do. His voice inflections, his hand gestures. As he went out uh, visiting the bus route, as he knocked on doors and tried to reach people on his bus route, he said, God used my bus captain. He said, I was inspired by somebody that could get up and speak and could you know, give a motivational talk. But he said, my real inspiration actually came from my faithful bus captain who I watched and I was encouraged by the faithfulness of this man. He said, my bus captain was not that uh, charismatic speaker. He was not the bombastic or dynamic preacher. He was a stoic, uh, monotone, fairly unexpressive person. However, he said, we saw amazing results on our bus route. Brother Ryan said visitors came every week. Scores of souls were saved and baptized throughout the years. And I can recall a big day of more than 300 riders on that bus route. And I recall asking my bus captain, how have you made such a difference in the lives of people and, and in these neighborhoods? His response was, very often I will drive down the streets weeping and begging God to do a work through me and through my bus route. And that day, Pastor Ryan said, I learned that the newest promotion idea, the visitation technique, 
voice inflection, all the different dynamics, knock how you knock on the door, how you present yourself, all of those things, all the pre-planned speech was not the answer to impacting the lives in our city. He said, I learned that love is the key to making a difference in someone's life. And God made an eternal difference in our lives because of love. Amen. The only way we are going to make a lasting impression in somebody else's life is not some new technique, not some new method, not some uh, pre-planned speech. It is going to be the love and compassion that we have in our hearts for others that compels us to do something, to care, to love, to reach people, to be faithful on that bus route. That's the act of love. To be faithful to give, that's the act of love. To be faithful to uh, encourage each other and to bless each other. All the words that were shared this morning, I believe, were from the heart. And that, that has, I'm sure, inspired and compelled and, and encouraged others here in this church to do more for the Lord or to keep going at least. Church will come, uh, uh, children will come to church because it's fun, but they're going to keep coming to church because they feel loved. I think a little Aiden this morning. Church is my happy place. Amen. I love the church, and I love being here. There's something different about uh, being with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Love is the only thing that will ever make a significant difference. You need to remember that. Love is the key to changing our city. Amen. We can't change our city by coming up with some new, uh, some new plan. We're going to fix or, or dumping money into a project or doing something like that. That is the world's methodology, and it is done without love, without God's love. We need to reach people in our city, and it's going to happen through a love that only God can give to us. We may not have the most dynamic personality. We may not be a great orator, and we may not know every technique or method that another person knows. But if we can love, we can help someone. There's someone that God has for you to help this week. Make a difference in somebody's life. It starts with compassion. You might say, God, give me a heart. Give me a heart of love for someone. Give me a heart of compassion for those people that, that are, you know, just different, that I, I don't know how to relate to them. Give a heart of love to me to help those that are, uh, are unkind to me. Give me a heart of love for those that are, uh, are angry at me or angry in general. Lord, help me to help those people that nobody else is helping. They might be in your workplace. There's somebody at your workplace that, that, that they may not even express it. You may not even know it, but when you get to know them, when you spend time investing in their life, and that starts with love and compassion, when you do that, you begin to get down to the, the place where they live, the place where they're hurting, the place where they, they have fear, and the place where they have, uh, they have some, uh, some real worry and doubt. God uses those to love for him. Do you love for the Lord? Do you love for him? Remember, the only way to spell joy is Jesus, others, and yourself last. It's going to change the way we act towards people. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd help us today in our time of invitation. Encourage hearts. pray that you'd help us to have love and compassion and a zealous desire to please you and to love those that you love. Give us, plant in our hearts that same love that you have for them. That is a supernatural thing. And God, what a blessing it is for you to change us from the inside out where we will love the people that we didn't love before. Somebody that we didn't love yesterday. God, you can put a burning heart of compassion 
in us for that person. Help us, Lord. I pray that you would help our church. I pray if there's one person or two or whoever it is that might be in this room or watching on live stream that doesn't know Jesus as their personal Savior, Father, I pray that you would help and continue the conviction in their life. Help them to trust Jesus. Help them to come, Lord, in this time of invitation and receive counseling and encouragement and biblical, uh, biblical guidance into the truth. I pray that you would continue stirring their heart.